Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2. Well, let's read 1 and 2 since 1 comes before 2. Amen. Our title is The Message of Faith. Don't forget to pick up your flyer on the way out also. No, don't pick up your flyer on the way out. <laughs> Glory be to God. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Let's read that again. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. The message of faith is the title of our message. Our Father, thank you for your word and for your grace and for your kindness and for your love. And for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and for the gospel and for the promise and for the spirit of the living God. We believe as we mix faith with this gospel that's being preached, your power will be activated in the lives of those that hear the word of God to cause growth, to cause salvation, to cause deliverance, to cause healing and blessing, Father God, in every realm to come unto them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. The word mix is the word that's used here. That means to blend, to temper, by mixing properly, to blend, to mix together, to temper. The thought that's behind it, the meaning of that word, the thought that's behind the meaning of that word is compared to the way the human body works, the human system. Every human being takes in food to his system so that he can live. That food is to produce life in the human body. Isn't that right? Well, the thought that's behind that word mixing, mixing faith with the gospel, it's this thought. We take in food into our bodies and the proper mixture of the saliva and the gastric acids will mix together with that food to create life to the human body. But if you take that same food that's brought into the human system and that mixture does not take place, the same food that you took into your body to produce life will now produce death. Same food. Same food that's supposed to be brought into your system to produce life and strength and vitality and vigor to that human system. If it's not properly mixed with the proper acids, the gastric acids and the saliva mixing together properly, mixing together and blending together, not properly will cause death instead of life. But the proper mixing will cause life instead of death. And here we find the Apostle Paul, I believe to be the Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, saying that the gospel was preached to them of days gone by. The same gospel that was preached to them, it was given to them by angels, by the ministry of angels, by the prophets. Remember Hebrews, the first chapter where it says, God at sundry times and diverse manners spake unto us by the prophets. Under the fathers by the prophets has spoken unto us in these last days by his Son. Well, he spoke back then and he spoke unto them the gospel. And we know that the gospel is the power of God. It's the power of God on the salvation. It's the power of God on the deliverance. It's the power of God on the healing. It's the power of God on the anything you could imagine or think of that comes from the heavenly throne of God. The gospel is the power of the living God. It's the virtue that comes out of His being under our being to meet our every need. But that same power, that same gospel where all this power lies will not profit, it will not produce life, it will not bring life unless there is a proper mixing of faith with the gospel. You can now understand and see why it's the most, one of the most important teachings of the Bible. Without faith mixed with the gospel, there is no salvation. There is no healing. 
there is no deliverance. There is no prosperity. Without the proper mixing of faith and the Word of God, this Word of God will profit us nothing. And he said here that they had a promise of entering into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land where there will be no sickness or disease. He said, for I'll take it out of the midst of you. I'll take it away from the midst of you. There will not be one lady that will lose a child. None would cast their young. There will not be one male or female be buried in the land, unable to produce children. Not only that, the offspring, their offspring, but even the offspring of their animals, there would not be one that would lose any, anything, any animal. None of them. Not one of them. It's a land that's flowing with milk and honey. I'll bless your bread. I'll bless your water. You'll serve me in the land. You'll prosper spirit, soul, and body. And bless God, everything will be yours. But the promise that they had of entering in was revoked. If you go back to the book of Numbers, you'll find out that the Lord God said, because you have spoken those doubtful words in my ears, because you have resisted me with your doubt and with your unbelief, and one translation says, you have despised me by the words and the murmuring of your mouth and of your lips. And because of it, he says, I want you to hearken unto me this day. I have revoked your promise. Let us therefore fear, beloved, lest the promise of us that was left us of entering into his rest, all the promises of God, let us fear lest it be revoked from us and taken away from us. How? Through an evil heart of unbelief. Not mixing faith with the gospel. Well, it's an important subject. It needs to be understood. We're told in the 11th chapter of the same book of Hebrews that without faith it's impossible to please God. He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Without faith it's impossible to please God. These are some of the scriptures that I first got started on. And as I began to look over these scriptures, that pierced my heart. I said, There's, if anything I want to do in my life, it's please the Father God. Don't you want to please the Father God? I want to please my Heavenly Father. I want to be pleasing in His sight. I could just hear the voice of the Master saying, I do always those things that please the Father. I come not to do mine own will, but the will of Him that sent me. I do those things that are pleasing in His sight. He walked by faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please Him. It's impossible to please your Father God. Now, the Bible speaks of many different types of faith. It speaks of little faith. It speaks of weak faith. It speaks of shipwrecked faith. It speaks of no faith. It speaks of growing faith. It speaks of strong faith. And it speaks of great faith. Great faith. And I don't know about you, but I've determined in my heart that growing, strong, and great faith pleases the Father God. Growing, strong, and great faith pleases the Father God. Some people seem to think that miracles were wrought throughout the New Testament through little faith and weak faith and no faith. I want you to know, beloved, it's no different now than it was back then. Those that came with no faith almost died. And I'll show you the scriptures. Those that came with weak faith, they almost died. And if it wasn't for the mercy of God, but you, you're not going to, you know, have him bail you out every time you turn around. We're, we're supposed to walk by faith. But those that came to him in strong faith, those that came to him with great faith, every single one of them walked away with a miracle in their lap. Every one of them. Every single one of them. Not one failed to have a miracle produced in their life when they came with great faith and strong faith. We're going to see some of that. But it's very important that we begin to understand and realize that God demands that we have faith and we walk by faith. If there's anything I attribute our success in walking with God, and we've had great success. And I can go on naming you many, many miracles and great, wondrous things that happen in our lives. It's the fact that we learn how to walk by faith. We learn the depths of faith, some of the depths of faith. There's much greater depth to, the, to faith. We could talk about faith till Jesus comes. I plan on doing it for at least a month or two. Amen? I'm not going to get off the subject. It's too vital. It's too important. It makes the gospel work. You can talk about all the other things, but without faith, it will not make the gospel work. The gospel will not profit. That's what Hebrews just said. Amen? It's faith and love. Faith makes the gospel work. Love is the energizing force behind faith that will make your faith work. Faith which worketh by love. Love and faith. 
the mixture of it together causes great signs and wonders to take place. Now, in the, let's go back to our book of Matthew, uh, I'm sorry, book of Mark, our scriptures that we left off where Jesus the Master taught on the great subject of faith. And for the life of me, I don't know why people try to put down what we call the message of faith or they call the faith message when Jesus was the one that preached it first. If anybody was fanatical about faith, it was Jesus. Because Jesus taught his disciples about faith. After he taught them about faith, he got them alone in a quiet corner and expounded to them about faith. After he expounded to them about faith, he gave them faith words to act on. After he gave them faith words to act on, and they almost died, he bailed them out. He was teaching them faith. They did not act on faith. Some people would be offended if you said, you have little faith. But we're going to see in a minute that a man got out of a boat and walked on the water, and Jesus told the man, you have little faith. Did you hear me? I said, somebody got out of the boat, walked on the water, and Jesus looked at him and said, oh, ye of little faith. And have you walked on the sea yet? I've walked on many spiritual seas. But he said to Peter, he said, Peter, oh, ye of little faith. You talk about a rebuke. Somebody walking on the water. You, know, you, don't, you don't just walk on water unless it's ice. It's frozen. This wasn't frozen water. This was water, water out in the sea. He walked on the water and Jesus said, ye of little faith. I'll show you why it was little faith. Some people start out with great faith, but they, they end up in little faith. Well, Mark 11 chapter, we found out that Jesus teaching about faith. Mark 11. Your Bible should have just popped right open there. Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24. And in case you were not with us, we find here the kind of faith, number one. Number two, the law of faith. Number three, the prayer of faith. Kind of faith, law of faith, prayer of faith. And as I said, and I am not exaggerating and I'm not kidding you, I could preach the subject of faith probably for the next six months, three times a week, for the next six months, and we would just be getting into it. And we might do it. Because faith is not of this realm. And when people think that I, I've got all there is about faith and know all there is about faith, they're highly mistaken. Because faith makes everything work. Faith makes this gospel work. Over here we find out the kind of faith, we find out the law of faith, we find out the prayer of faith. In Mark eleven twenty two, you find the kind of faith. Jesus said, have faith in God. More literally, have the faith of God or have the God kind of faith. The kind of faith that believers possess is the God kind of faith. In verse 23, he said, for verily I say unto you, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he's saying will come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he's saying. Write down three to one. Three to one. Three times he talked about your saying, one time he talked about your believing. Write it down like this. I'll have to deal with my mouth three times more than I deal with my heart. I'll have to deal with my mouth three times more. Say, say, say. Whosoever shall say to the mountain of adversity in your life, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he is saying shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he's saying. That's the law of faith. The law of faith believes with the heart, speaks with the mouth. What he believes in the heart, and the law of faith says, You shall have whatsoever you are saying. I did not write that scripture. Kenneth E. Hagin did not write that scripture. And no other faith preacher wrote that scripture. Jesus of Nazareth, I am quoting to you. He said to you, he said, if you would say to your mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and don't doubt in your heart, but believe that the words that are coming out of your mouth will come to pass, then those words will come into being, to existence. I'll say it again. If you were to say to it, move and be gone and don't doubt in your heart, but believe that what you're saying will come to pass. You will have what you are saying. Who said that? Who wrote that? Who's the author of it? 
Is he a liar or is he telling the truth? Is he lying or is he telling the truth? I've learned to humble myself, friends. You don't find me walking off and saying, well, bless God, I said it 14 times and it didn't come to pass. So Jesus didn't mean what he said. No. You know what I say? I look in the mirror and I say, you sorry thing, you? Jesus said, if you were to believe in your heart and say it, it would come to pass. So get back in that Bible, get your nose to the, inside that Word of God, and you make sure you dig in there, and you make sure you get your mouth speaking the right words, and you make sure your heart's believing. And bless God, when you do, you will get what you are saying. And I went back to the Word of God. I did it over and 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 over. And it didn't work and it didn't work and it didn't work and it didn't work and it didn't work. And I did it over 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 and I did it over. But bless God, one day I said, Flu, leave my body now. And it did. And I said, Who? Hallelujah. I was just shouting, oh, glory be to God, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I mean, the devil knows the best time to attack you is after a victory. And we're shouting, praising God, bless God, it works, bless God, it works. I know it was Jesus. You should have known it would work because Jesus said it would. Why don't you humble yourself and find out that if it's not working, it's not because of Jesus, because of you. I did. And so it's up there praising God. And as soon as you have that victory, as soon as you start glorifying God, boy, we got it to work. And you, and you go back and go, I wonder how I did it now. You got out your pencil and you start writing down. What did I say? What did I do? See? It doesn't work that way. You've got to keep programming your heart. You've got to keep speaking the right word. You've got to keep your nose in the Word of God. You've got to stay in there. Hang in there. Keep on speaking the Word of God. But there we are, praising and worshiping God. And before you know it, slaps a fever on my daughter. Yeah, he'll test you and contest you every inch and every step of the way to see if you really believe that it works. And when he started his tactics and his tricks to try to steal that out of our hearts... And he'll try, beloved. He'll try to do it. You hang in there in the Word of God. You declare that it works, that Jesus meant what he said and said what he meant, and the law of faith works for me. And you keep on saying it. You keep on believing it. You hold fast to your confession of faith, and you're going to see the miraculous take place in your life. But we got the handle on that dummy when he started to do that to us. And we went over to our daughter, laid hands on her, and prayed in other tongues so he couldn't understand what we were saying. And the fever left. Amen. I mean like that, like that, just like that. It works. You get your heart right before God, it'll work. Next verse. I'm not preaching yet. I'm just, I want to get, I'm introducing. Because when I start to preach on faith, look out. We're not going to have any time to, you know, get all that we want to say in. Verse 24. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, Believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. That is called the prayer of faith. You have the kind of faith. You have, in verse 23, the law of faith. And verse 24, you have the prayer of faith that was set in motion by the Lord Jesus Christ Himself when He said, Therefore, I say. Therefore, I say. He just said verse 23 is truth, right? So in verse 24, He says, Therefore, I say. I say that if you pray and believe you receive it before you have it, you'll have it. That's what Jesus said. I say, and because he said it, it means it works, right? He applied the law of faith in verse 23. He applied that law to verse 24 and said, I say that if you pray, see, and believe that when you pray, God heard you and, and your desire is granted to you and you have received it when you prayed, then you shall have it. The key to that scripture is you've got to believe you have something that you don't see. You've got to believe you have it when you don't see it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of what you don't see. I had to believe that I received my healing before it left my body. I had to believe I had my finances before it ever came into my possession, physically. But I had to believe I received it spiritually. So I have tacked on to this scripture my own paraphrase. I heard somebody else talk about it also. But I like it, and I incorporated it also into that scripture. It says this, Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you've already received it in its invisible form, and then you will have it in its visible form. Believe that you've received it in its invisible form, and you will have it in its visible form. Okay, you got that? That is called the prayer of faith. 
Now, in the book of Romans, the 8th, the 10th chapter, verse 8, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Romans 10, 8. The apostle Paul agreed with Jesus that believing comes from the heart and faith is released through the mouth. Paul the apostle picked up on what Jesus taught. And I'm sure he was not given this by man, but he was given it by inspiration, by revelation, as he was given all of his teachings. And who do you think inspired him and gave him the revelation to write what he wrote here in Romans 10.8? The Lord Jesus Christ himself. And here's what he says. But what saith it, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. Even in your what? Mouth and in your what? That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For what the heart man believeth. Circle that. Man does not believe with his soul and man does not believe with his body. You don't believe because you feel better. You don't believe because you're thinking you, 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 you feel better. You don't believe from your soul. You don't believe from your body. Your, your soul, your mind, and your body has got nothing to do with faith. Someone said, I know he heard me because I'm feeling better. Forget it. You don't walk by feeling. You walk by faith. Feeling has nothing to do with it. If you feel better or if you feel worse, got nothing to do with it. The Word is eternal. The Word will never fail. The Word will always produce. The Word of God must come out of your heart, not out of your head, not out of your senses, out of your flesh. It's what the heart man believeth. The heart man believeth, and with the mouth, now here it is, with the mouth confession is made unto, unto what? Unto salvation. With the mouth confession is made unto, that word salvation is found in Romans 1, 16 and 17, where Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. But where there is no believing in the heart and no confession with the mouth, there is no salvation. With the heart man believeth, with the mouth confession is made unto deliverance, salvation, healing, wholeness, soundness. But without mixing faith with the gospel, the gospel, even though it's the power of God, will not deliver, will not save, will not heal, will not set free. We can't put it any plainer than that, can we? But what I want to bring out and bring to your attention, first of all, is that both Jesus and Paul taught us through these scriptures that faith deals with the heart and with the mouth of man. With the heart and with the mouth. The heart is the spirit, not the soul, not the body. The heart of man, the mouth. The mouth meaning his words. Jesus was not giving you one confession to make, not even for a week, not even for a month. He was talking about building the Word inside your spirit so that the Word inside your heart becomes the confession of your lips. I will say it like this. I believe it will clarify it. There is a confession of your heart. There is a confession of your lips. When the confession of your heart perfectly harmonizes with the confession of your lips, and these two confessions embrace the Word of God, you become a powerful source of God on the earth, and the gospel's power will be released unto you. A confession of your heart, a confession of your lips. When these two embrace the Word of God in perfect harmony, the gospel's power, the power of God, is revealed and released unto you. Now listen to me. In the book of Matthew, the 15th chapter, let's turn there. It's possible that, it's very possible that we can have a confession of the heart and a confession of the lip that are in disagreement. The confession of our hearts, the confession of our mouths or our lips can be in disagreement. Here's where you're going to find out where people fail in the realm of faith. In verse 7, 15 chapter, verse 7. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, 
but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. I don't want my worship of God to be in vain. I don't want my speaking words of love and life be in vain. If I'm speaking the word out of my head, if I'm speaking the word with the wrong attitude of heart, if my heart is not in line with what I'm saying, Jesus said your speaking will be in vain. Some people think just because they hear the faith message or the message of faith, that they hear about the faith walk, they figure, well, bless God, if brother so-and-so did it, I can do it. I'm going to start saying that by his stripes I'm healed. I'm going to go and act like I'm healed. Bless God in Jesus' name, I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. And they go off and they do foolish things and they find out that it doesn't work for them and they say, I don't understand it. This doesn't work. Listen to me. Jesus taught a parable in Mark 4 and said the kingdom of God operates from the heart. The heart has got to be prepared. The heart has got to be established. All the thorns and the thistles and the weeds have got to be removed out of the heart. It might take a lot of teaching. It might take a lot of preaching. It might take a lot of unlearning and relearning, going back and forth, getting out of your spirit, man, all the things that would hinder your heart from producing faith and producing love and producing life. It might take you a year to do it. It might take you six months to do it. It might take you one week to do it. It might take you five years to do it. I don't care if it takes you ten years to do it. It's worth doing it. Because when the heart of man is purified and cleansed from all filthiness and all the things that would defile and all the things that would hinder faith from operating in your heart, all those things are removed out of your heart. Then that heart becomes filled with the love of God. All fear is cast out. That spirit man becomes filled with faith. When faith has filled your heart, when faith speaks, mountains move. But if that heart is not prepared, if you have bad teaching, if you have wrong thinking, if you're just young in the Lord and you don't understand a lot of the things about healing and you've not heard about the things... You know, that pertain to how to walk by faith and love. If you've not understood these things, if you don't know it's God's perfect will to heal you, all these things can be hindrances in your life to stop faith from working out of your heart. But if you'll take one step at a time. Now, one woman did it. She did it for six months. The woman had club feet. She could not walk. If someone prayed for her, she didn't get healed. Well, she got tired of that in a hurry. A lot of people get tired of that. If they come to one meeting and don't get healed, they get upset. And they walk away from God. They say, this faith business does not work. And I'm not going to walk by this faith business. You know, because I tried it and it doesn't work. But this lady had the right attitude of heart. She got tapes that applied to her situation. She got tapes that applied to healing. And she went day in and day out, morning, noon, and night. No television, no radio, no people coming over. She shut herself up with God, never walked a day in her life. She shut herself up with God. She opened up, got those tapes and put those tapes on. She listened to the Word of God, opened up her Bible. She filled up her heart with the Word. One day, two days, three days, four days, five days, a week, two weeks, three weeks, one month, two months, three months, every single day, every single day for six months. After six months of every day getting that word inside her heart, preparing her heart, after six months of establishing her heart in the word for healing, you know what she did? Looked down at her foot, club foot, and said with her mouth, foot, be healed in the name of Jesus. And foot was instantly healed. She looked over at the other foot and she said, foot, be healed in the name of Jesus. And the other foot was healed in the name of Jesus. I ask you, what if she didn't take six months of every day? No, this walk, this faith walk is not talking about you living like you want to live every day and listening to all the TV you want to listen to and all the radio you want to listen to and listening to all, and doing all these things and thinking you're going to walk and say, bless God, I said be healed and you should be healed. No, that's not the faith walk. That's not the message of faith. The message of faith means you've got your nose in the Bible morning, noon, and night. You're listening to the Word of God. The Word of God is developed in your heart. And because of it, your heart is established and fixed in the Word of God. And the Word is pouring out of you. It's just flowing out of you. And because of that Word that's in your heart, your mouth has got tamed. Your tongue has got healed. Your tongue has got delivered from all that doubt and all that unbelief that we've been baked in and rolled in. All that garbage has been taken out of us. And you stand there before the sick that comes against your family and the disease that come against your life and you speak to that mountain and you command it to leave in Jesus' name and the mountain, it moves and it goes. That's how faith works. 
Boy, if I could go back, I'd say it all again. Amen. Amen. That's how faith works. I said, that's how faith works. Faith gets results. It does not fail. Now, you can fail and make your faith fail if you want to. But why would you want to? I don't want to. Jesus prayed for Peter and said, Peter, I pray that your faith... We need to know about the confession of our hearts and mouths. And let me say this again. Just because you come to one service, and this is why I found out people are having a lot of trouble. They come to one service. They hear that guy down there at Midland preach about faith. They try it and they walk away from it. They say it doesn't work. They get offended by it. Beloved, it takes time. It takes diligence. It takes dedication. It takes consecration. Those that seek Him diligently are highly rewarded. How are you highly rewarded? I'll show you how you're highly rewarded. When you come to God and believe that He is and you come by faith to please Him, and diligently seek Him to be your healer, your reward, beloved, is that He becomes your healer. What in the world, what in this world system is so great in your life that you need to do and have that will take the place of God being your healer? We should seek Him as our healer with all of our hearts because we've sought Him as our Savior with all our hearts. We should seek Him as our financier with all of our hearts because we sought Him as our Savior and as our healer with all of our hearts. And by the time you get done seeking God, you don't got time for the world. There's too much of Him. I said there's too much of God to seek after. Isn't that right? But what is your reward? Not to warm up you, but bless God to fill up you with the power of the living God. When others come into that same church building, they'll get delivered and saved and healed and set free because of the faith that's emanating from you. Amen? Don't mind me. I'm on fire for God. I'm ready to just jump out of this body of mine. Aren't you? I mean to tell you, beloved, it works. I'm going to show you by the word it works. I know it works. I live it. We've lived it. It's, it's never failed anybody that's ever done it. Not once. Not once. We can't belittle God and His Word. We've got to face up to the, to the facts that His Word is truth. And if there's anybody to blame, it's going to be us. I said it has to be us. You can't blame God for somebody who died and didn't go to heaven. Can you? I said you can't blame God for somebody that died and did not go to heaven because He gave His only begotten Son. And you can't blame him also for not healing because he took your infirmities and he bore your sicknesses. I don't know what more he can do. And you can't blame him for not providing your need because he said, I supply all your need according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Are we calling him the liar? No. The thing I found out about those that believe in the walk of faith is that they believe in the integrity of God's word. Even if it means, this one faith preacher, he did it just like this. Lost his baby. This is before he understood the depths of faith. And uh, said, he said, I know that wasn't God's will. I know that God didn't do it. Can you imagine that heartache right there who just lost his baby? Died. He says, but I'll tell you what. He says, I know that Satan stole my baby. He said, but bless God, he will never do it again. He'll never do it again. Never do it again. Never, never do it again. But the man was humble enough to stand to the word of God and declare, bless God, the word says that, that we can have what we say. The word says that we can by faith have all these things manifest. We can be healed, delivered, and set free. Beloved, I'm getting headstrong. The Bible says the violent take it by force. I've had it up to here with the devil trying to put sickness and disease on my kids. I've had it up to here with the devil trying to destroy the work of God. I've had it with sickness and disease. I've had it with sin. I've had it with all the forces of darkness that would try to destroy the Christian's life. I don't believe that they're more powerful than the blood of God, Jesus Christ and the name of Jesus. And I believe that by the Spirit of God, we've got the power of God in us to destroy all the works of the enemy. Get stronger. Get tougher and get violent and take the kingdom by force. Well, let's get back into our message. 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verse 13. See, sometimes we read these scriptures and you think, well, we know and I know them and you, you should know them, but maybe you don't know them. Well, if you don't know them, you're going to learn them. 
And if you think you're going to learn them in one message, you're not going to learn them in one message. You're going to have to go over these scriptures day in and day out. I mean every day. I mean it's time that we start fasting some things like pleasures of life. It's time we start fasting some things that stand in the way, not necessarily sin, but stand in the way of us getting alone with God and His Word and eating from the fountain and the table of life and getting the glory of God into our spirits so we can walk as kings on this, in this earth and not just have a mouth that speaks these things of God and a heart who's far from Him. Jesus called them people hypocrites. The greatest accusation against the church of Christ is that they're hypocrites. They say one thing, they live another. Well, bless God, in this generation, the church is speaking it, they're saying it, and they're living it. Amen. Amen. Isn't that right? Aren't you that part, part of that body? Aren't you doing that? Well, bless God, you have your opportunity to start today. 2 Corinthians 4.13 We, having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed... And therefore have I what? Therefore have I what? I believed in my heart. That's understandable because Paul already said what the heart man believeth. And therefore have I what? We have in the same spirit of faith, he said. Faith believes and faith speaks. We also believe and therefore we speak. Now, to understand the message of faith, it's very important that we understand what faith is, how faith comes, how faith works, the heart of man, how to believe from the heart, how to speak it out of our mouths, how to make sure that what we're speaking from our lips is coming out of our heart. This is the, one of the greatest messages I've ever learned from the gospel, is how to believe out of your heart. Because when we begin to see and understand how to believe from the heart out of the spirit of man, that's where faith is in, the realm of faith is in the realm of the spirit, then miracles begin to pour out and take place one right after the other. When we got our confession out of the soulless realm and got our confession into the spiritual realm where God is, matter of fact, yes, let's go there. Let's go there. Let's, 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 let me show you something here. And go back to the book of Matthew again. It's, 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 we need to understand confession. We need to understand the aspects of confession. And I don't think the average believer has taken the time to understand every phase of confession. But I'm going to show you the difference between strong faith and weak faith and show you how what you say is involved in strong and great faith. In the area of confession, we've got the confession of the Jew to repentance. Remember the Jews had to confess their sins and be baptized in John of John in the River Jordan? We've got the confession of the sinner who's lost, who confesses Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. That's a confession. We have the confession of the sins of the believer, the believer who's out of fellowship with God. He must confess his sins. And God is faithful and just to forgive you your sin. That's a confession. We got the confession of our faith. Our faith. The confession of our faith. And people have taken the four different phases of confession and they try to confess all these different things and mix them up together. And they've not properly understood the aspects of confession. And so instead of confessing from their heart, they're aimlessly confessing from their mind some things that they shouldn't be confessing at all. We need to understand these phases of confession. We're going to study them. We're going to talk about them. But here in the 14th chapter, I want to show you about somebody who you might have thought had strong faith or great faith, but we found out that he had weak faith or no faith, little faith. The outward appearance doesn't mean much in the realm of the Spirit. We've got to learn how to walk by faith, strong faith and great faith in the Spirit realm, and then the appearance of things will change. In the 14th chapter, here we find Peter... And verse 22, he's about to get out of the boat. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. 
But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. Notice this now. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered, and that next little word is called said. It's something you do with your mouth. It's something that Peter did, and this is the, probably the most deceiving aspect of confession. Peter said something from his mouth he should never have said. Peter said something from his lips that a lot of believers have said from their lips, thinking that they were praying, thinking that they were speaking right, thinking that they were justified in what they were saying, and because of it, they got themselves in bondage, and God could not help them. Listen to me. You don't think that God, that Jesus knew that Peter's faith was not strong enough to walk out on that water and walk back? Sure he did. But listen to what, Je what Peter said. Peter answered and said, Jesus already said, it's, it's me, it's I, be, be not afraid. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be you, bid me to come on the water, under the underwater. Jesus could have answered like this. Peter, it's not me. But he'd have lied if he did that, right? So he didn't do that, did he? But I want you to see that the words that Peter used limited Jesus to what he can say. He's already said, Peter, disciples, it's me. Be not afraid. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. What was he supposed to say? Don't come, it's not me. All he could say was one word. All Jesus gave him was one word, come. In other words, it's me. But what you just did, friend, got you out of the boat. Do you see it? Nothing else Jesus could say. He couldn't say, no, stay there, it's not me. You know, sometimes people do things like this. Lord, if you want me to go to China, let a brick fall off the building. You should not have said that. You watch your words. You watch what you're saying before God. Are you hearing me? Sounds like Peter was real religious. But Peter should have kept his mouth shut. and said, bless God, it's the Lord. Now, you want to get out there on that, out of that boat when you're not ready? That's what people do. They're not ready to get out there in faith, but they say things like Peter did right here, and they get off out there, and pretty soon they're ready to sink. Here's what happened to Peter. Jesus could only answer one word, which was come, because he said, if it's you, bid me to come. So, Jesus said, come. Well, here he goes. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Bless God, that fellow started out in great faith. But when he saw people start in great faith, when they start out, when they get out on the water. But when he saw the wind, boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, he got out of faith in a hurry, didn't he? Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, Oh, oh, look and listen to these words. Are they reproving? Do they make you want to shatter? How many times did you start out what you thought was great faith and you didn't last but five minutes and before you know it, the wind started to kick up, got boisterous, circumstances around you got a little hot and heavy and you said, Oh, Lord, listen to me. Jesus said, that kind of faith is little faith. I don't want little faith. Do you? Do you want little faith? I want great faith. I want strong faith. I want faith that brings results and gets the answers. But here, he saw the wind, circumstances, physical realm. He probably heard it blowing. He saw the waves. He started, he got his eyes off Jesus. He got his eyes off the word come. He began to look around and he began to say, oh, dear God, don't fail me now. That's what people do. They start off in faith, but they want the mercy of God to bail them out because they can't last long enough in faith. Their mouth gets in the way before you know it. Well, his tongue got him in the mess. If he'd have kept his mouth shut, he would have been in the mess. Would have been just nice enough just to sit there and say, come on, Lord, join us. Hallelujah. Or if it's you, Lord, say it again. 
But to say something like, if it's you, Lord, bid me to come on the water. Boy, you put yourself out there. You put yourself out of that, bo- out of that boat right on that sea. And unless you had strong faith, you wasn't going to make it. Well, Jesus knew it, and that's why he stretched forth his hands. And like I said, he won't strive with you forever. You better start getting and developing your faith to get strong faith. Well, he said, no, notice the last phrase, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? It's possible to start off with great faith and then in the middle of the circumstances doubt and sink. Do you see what I'm saying? Most of us have done it many times. Started out with great faith. I prayed and I know God heard me. But when it got a little bit hard on the collar, they began to doubt. Face up to it. You need to have something added to your faith like patience. Well, I'll show another woman. Remember, look, go to, let's go to Mark 5. I, I can say more things about this, but I'm not going to take time to do that right now. I just want to give you some instances. We'll get back to it in a minute. During this, the course of this study, we're going to go over these things over and over and over and over and over again. But over here, look, here in Mark, here in Mark go look at Mark 4 first, and then we'll look at 5. I want you to see something else here. In verse 35, Jesus just got done teaching them about faith, expounding about faith. And he said to them, and the same day when the evening was come, he saith unto them, this is Jesus speaking, and he says, let us pass over to the other side. What was Jesus' intention? Going to the other side. When, when, when Jesus speaks and says, we're going to the other side, boys, we're going to the other side. He didn't mean, let's get in the boat, go halfway across the other side and sink. He didn't mean that. He said, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there rose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they wake him and say, 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 and whosoever shall say, if you'll say it, if you'll say it, you'll have it. And they begin to say unto him, Master, carest thou not, we perish. Oh, bless God. Can you imagine having that kind of a confession? You know what they were saying when the winds and the storms kicked up? They were saying, we're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. You know, that's, what, that's why the children of Israel died in the wilderness, because they said we're going to die in this wilderness. I can show you that chapter and verse. I can show you that chapter and verse. The Lord spoke and said, as you have, as you have spoken in my ears, saying you're going to die in the wilderness, and our carcasses will be given to the fowls of the air, as you have spoken it, so shall it be unto you. From twenty on up, will die in the wilderness, and the, your carcass will be given to the fowls of the air. That's exactly what he said. And he said, the reason why it's happening, because you said it. That's what, the, that's what the Lord said to them. Well, here's what they said. They said, Carest thou not, we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. Said unto the sea, said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Looks like it works, doesn't it? Looks like it works, doesn't it? But look what he said unto them. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? You know why they had no faith? Because they said we're going to die. Yeah. First time you couldn't meet the first payment, you said, we can't make our bills. We can't make the payments. What are we going to do? God's not helping us out of this one. Well, keep on saying it. And you never get it. Now, we're going to touch this area so hard. You know why? Because there's so much opposition against it. But I know that I know that I know that I know that it works. And it'll never fail you if you grab a hold of it. If you get it deep inside your heart. Well, they have no faith. They got upset and said, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Let's go to another scripture over here. Hold on to your place there in Matthew 5. I want to show another scripture before we see what she did. In Matthew 5, I'm, I'm sorry, Luke. Let's go to Luke. I got a lot here. Bless God, I got a lot inside my spirit rolling around I want to give you. I got 10 minutes to do it. Woo, glory. Luke 17. Look, Jesus said they had no faith. I mean, would you accept it if Jesus came into your door, knocked on your door and said, boy, you have no faith? Look at me. Give me your attention. I said, if Jesus came to your door and said, you've got little faith, looked you in the face and said, you've got little faith. Well, let's put it this way. You're using little faith. Would you accept it then? Well, if Jesus said it to me, I'd have to accept it, wouldn't I? I said, Jesus told these boys they have little faith. 
Jesus told them they have no faith. Woman never to walk on the water, and he said they had no faith. Then they was about drowning in a sea. I mean, what would you do drowning in a sea? And Jesus stands up and says, Peace be still. Where's your faith? Can you imagine that? You talk about getting offended. The love walk means doesn't mean you're not, someone's not going to get offended by what you say. They had to be offended, but they still marveled because the wind and the sea stopped. Right? So they, they received the rebuke. And here's what they said. We better find out how to get faith in, in Luke 17, 5. They finally admitted it and said, in verse 5, And the apostles said unto him, Lord, increase our faith. Well, Jesus said, and the Lord said, If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might, what? Now, don't just go over this without reading these verses, these scripts, these words. If you had faith, you might what? Oh, listen to what the average Christian says. If you had faith, you would say. It's not that you don't have faith, it's what they're not saying. If you had faith, you wouldn't say, I can't get rid of this fever. You wouldn't say, my babies don't get healed. You wouldn't say, it looks like God doesn't want to heal our kids. You wouldn't say, I'm having a problem with this and a problem with that. You would say, if you had faith, you would say. You would say to the sycamine tree, sycamine tree, I'll tell you what, I read this scripture over and over and over again, but it didn't dawn on me what Jesus was actually saying until this, not too long ago, a couple months ago. Jesus said, you would say to the sycamine tree, be uprooted and be planted into the sea. I, I just picture it just, you know, someone just picking it up and just tossing it into the sea. But he didn't say that. Be uprooted and be planted into the sea. That thing would have just been uprooted, all the roots be intact, taking it into the sea and going into the sea and be planted right into the ground, under the sea. Planted into the sea. Your faith, he said, if you had just the faith as a grain of mustard seed, you would say to that tree, be uprooted and be planted to seed, and it would obey you. Now, Jesus is putting this in our realm. If those unregenerate people could have faith to say those things, you and I are born again, spirit-filled. We have the life, the nature of God, and we have been given the measure of the faith of the Son of the living God. Why isn't it working? Because most people aren't saying. They say it once, and they say a thousand other times it doesn't work. It can't work like that. But he said, if you had faith, you would say. Now, let's go to another scripture. Let's go back to... Um, keep, your, keep that lady in mind, Mark, Matthew, or Mark 5. Go to Matthew 21... It's on. Matthew 21. Quickly. 21, 21. Same thing happened with the fig tree. Same thing happened with the fig tree. I'm just going to read the important scripture. Jesus answered and said unto them in verse 21, Very, verily, I say unto you, if you have faith and what? Didn't Peter begin to doubt? When did Peter begin to doubt? When he was shouting and praising in church? No, when the circumstances around him, when he got out of the boat. Faith doesn't work in the boat, it works out of the boat. In those circumstances around him, he began to doubt. Not when prayer was made and faith was high, but when he got back out into the world, when he got back out of that boat, he began to doubt. He said, if you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do which is done to the fig tree, but also if you shall what? What? If you shall what? Emphasize it. If you shall say to the mountain, be removed. Say to the mountain. If you shall say to the mountain, be removed. Say it to the mountain. What will happen? It shall be done. If you had faith and said it, it would be done. Now, how many of you know you have faith? We've already touched the fact that we've been given the measure of faith. God kind of faith. We have faith. What do we need to do? We need to say to the mountain. Go back to Mark 5 now. I, like I said, I just want to touch these to get them in here. Let's forget about these failures for a while. Mark's Gospel, the fifth chapter, verse 25. A certain woman had an issue of blood, 12 years. She suffered many things of many physicians. 
spent all she had, but was nothing better, better, but rather she grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she, for she what? For she said what? If I might, might but touch the hem of his, but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Let that ring inside your spirit. For she said, mountain of sickness, when I touch his garment, you will leave my body and I will be healed. For she said, when she heard, she said, when she heard, she said, she said, when I touch his clothes, I will be whole. I will be healed. You ask somebody when they come for prayer to the altar, what do you believe? I believe in God. Oh, if I could get one person to come to this altar and say, bless God, just like the woman with the issue of blood, for she said, I say that when you lay those little hands of yours on me, bless God, the power of God's coming out of you and it's going inside my body and all the sicknesses and all the diseases that have attached themselves to my body will be gone and I'll be healed, I'll be delivered, and I'll be free. Oh, glory, you're in for a party. But no, they say, well, if you pray for me, I might get healed. Did you see what this woman said? I don't got time to get into it right now, but I'm going to let you know what she did. Maybe Wednesday. I'm going to let you know vividly, step by step, how that woman got healed. For she said with her mouth, if I touch his garment, I'll be healed, friend. And there was a mountain of adversity in her way to get to Jesus. Now, if you say it, it'll happen. If you say it, it'll happen. I have to give you testimony because I'm told to do it. I'm going to give you all these testimonies. I want you to show that if it'll work for me, it'll work for you. Doctors, and we took the babies to, to get there when Jason was first born. And uh, we had to get them the little shots, you know, and whatever you call those things. When, it, when they go to school, they got to have shots, booster shots, whatever they are. And so we obeyed the laws of the land. You got to take them to the, to the doctors to get these shots. And so we took BJ and Jason both in there for these shots. Well, she says, I'm going to check them over now. I'm going to give them a shot. I said, okay, fine. Go check them over. You give them a shot. And uh, Jen and I are both in the, in the office with, with the doctor. It was a female doctor. And... Uh, she checks over BJ, checks over Jason. She says, I can't give this one a shot right over here because this one's got an inner ear infection. And we looked at each other and said, what? She says, this little one here got an inner ear infection. I can't give him a shot. I'll give this one a shot, but I won't give that one a shot. And so she proceeded to write out a prescription. She says, I'm going to give you this prescription. You give this, you take this prescription, you get it filled and you give it to the baby. I said, uh, doctor, wait a minute. I don't mind telling you this. Some people climb up in front of uh, doctors and bless God, that's the time to start confessing your faith. And I said, I don't mind telling you this at all. I'm a minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe in divine healing. And I won't need, I didn't say I'm opposed to medicine. I said, I won't need that medicine. He won't need that medicine. I'll pray God will heal. That's what I said. I'll pray God will heal my baby. And she looked at me, she said, you got something against medicine? I said, no, I don't have anything against medicine. I said, I'll pray God will heal. We won't need the medicine. She says, do me one favor. You bring that baby back here in 10 days and you show me that ear in 10 days. I said, yes, ma'am, I will. You don't have to be afraid. God's word works. I'll show it. Bless God. But that's what we said. And so she, she proceeded to give the shot to Jason. She said, well, I don't know what you're going to do with this one. She says, but you better have some aspirin handy because when this takes effect into that body, there will be a high fever. I said, don't be concerned about it. I'll pray and there won't be a fever. That's what I said. Now, we didn't, know, we didn't know the Lord when Lisa was a baby, and when Lisa got those shots, you know what I said? I said, honey, if the doctor said he's going to have a high fever from that shot or reaction from that shot, we better go get some aspirin because she's going to have a high fever. We got home, and sure enough, she had a high fever, and here we are pumping all these aspirins and trying to get her, you know, and so on and so forth. We didn't know the Lord then. Well, with Jason, same shot, you know, said, no, she won't, he won't get no fever because I'll pray and he won't get it. We got inside the car, prayed for both of them. Said that he is, that BJ's ear is healed and said that Jason will not have a reaction or get a fever from that. We said it. Bless God, ten days later, went back to the doctor's office. Well, first of all, Jason didn't get no fever at all. And then went back to the doctor's office ten days later and little girl in front, you know, she had the same thing, ear infection, took all the medicine. They said all that medicine has just caused congestion and all this problem, that problem. Take the baby off the medicine. The ears are, it's getting better, but you need to do this now. You need to do that. Well, bless God, BJ was next. She looked at me, she looked at him, after she checked him out, and she said, what did you do? Give him the medicine or the other thing? 
I said, bless God, I prayed. Hallelujah. I said, I prayed. And the Bible says you can have what you say. I prayed and he's healed. She says, whatever you did, whatever you did, it worked. I said, bless God, I know. I could have told you that ten days ago. We didn't have to bring him in here and pay that extra money. Well, bless God, it worked. I said, bless God, it worked. It worked. I wasn't opposed to the medicine. I said it worked. I wouldn't need it because I'd pray and God would heal. Amen? Now that the tape's over, hallelujah. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.